Timur, Tennis Bowling, and Taryn. So um, first, we'll we'll start off with uh, Zenith Light. If you're ready to go, um, Zenith Light's going to talk about interest rate controller project. Yeah, I'm um, sure. So. Uh... The project that I'm working on is basically a continuation of a project from the um, ETH Online hackathon. And basically the concept was uh, trying to increase the, uh, to, to stabilize the utilization rate in pools rather than having um, them be jumping around like quite wildly based on um, uh, like from like zero to 100% to kind of target a, a level of utilization like around 80%, which is where the jump interest rate model is currently set in um, most of uh, the interest rate models. And so the way that it actually accomplishes that is by um, changing the interest rate for borrowers over time, depending on how far the utilization rate is above or below 80%. Um, so basically, like as the utilization rate stays below 80%, then the interest rate continuously decreases until it like reaches back to the target and vice versa when it's above 80%. Um, the main, there are two main benefits to this. Uh, the first benefit is that um, the higher the utilization rate, the lower the spread between borrowing and applying interest rates. So if you assume like a rational actor who has a particular rate that they wish to borrow or supply at, then um, they're only going to do that like when the offered interest rate is like advantageous to them. And that's less likely the larger the spread is between the borrowing and supplying interest rates. And then the second major um, benefit is that it lowers governance overhead. Um, so basically, like for like in in response to like the yield farming trend, um, the demand for DAI borrowing has gone like way up. And so like uh, there were there were periods of like 100% utilization in the DAI pool um, uh, in those scenarios. Yeah, so Eru asks like a question, which is like, what happens with non-borrowed assets? So I think uh, this is an interest rate model that won't work for all markets. Um, I think it'll only work for markets where like there's already like, um, there's already like a level of borrowing and you can say that the market is elastic to like, um, to interest rates to some extent. So basically um, like there are some, some cryptocurrency borrowing markets that are not super elastic. Um, uh, I think we see these with like some of the some of the DeFi project tokens. Like um, I think like closer to launch, maybe WBTC didn't really have that much elastic borrowing demand, so it was like close to zero most of the time. And then every once in a while, like a will would come in, borrow like a ton of uh, WBTC, and then like it would uh, the the borrowing rate would go way up. So um, I think uh, this. This interest rate model would probably work best for maybe stuff like uh, uh, stable coins, maybe like Uni, where there's been a lot of borrowing demand like uh, consistently. Um, but I don't think it'd work for like assets where you can't really say that there's a level of interest at which borrowers will be willing to borrow. Um, so that's kind of like how I see it. Um, uh, the the main technical like uh, aspect of this that I've been working on so far was simulations to basically like simulate compound markets um, in response to these different interest rate models um, and see how different models like affect uh, interest rate spreads and like total interest paid uh, and like the volatility of interest rates and, and stuff like that. Um, 
I haven't gotten a chance to work on this since the hackathon, but I'm hoping to work on it in the next two weeks. Uh, so I've just posted a link to Collab Notebook. Uh, right. Um, so yeah, I just posted a link to a Collab Notebook, which is basically what I was working in um, for ETH Online. Um, so this is a basically a quick and dirty implementation of the of compound markets in Python, um, as well as two classes of uh, agents that interact with the markets. So there were market-based agents as well as random agents. Market-based agents have a certain interest rate they wish to borrow or supply at, and will basically do so in response to the offered interest rates. And then random interest rates will simply interact with markets in a random manner um, at random intervals. Um, so I think that my next steps for this is that I want to uh, code up the PID interest rate model in Solidity, and then basically, like uh, as Robert mentioned, create a testnet um, and basically like simulate uh, these markets on a testnet, and then have the agents just interact uh, through Python um, with that testnet. Um, and then once that's ready, I think my next step will be to basically do some kind of fuzzing with many different parameters and like uh, many different scenarios and see what are the scenarios in which each interest rate model breaks down. And then if after both of those things, I can show that PID controllers are um, more robust than say the jump interest rate model in certain scenarios, then I'll probably like make a proposal to say that we switch uh, a certain market to the PID controller. So I think that's my main plan for now. Um, yeah, I guess any more questions? So first off, Zenith, this is awesome. Um, I think this is a great direction to take the protocol. Uh, since you know the original white paper, we've you know always known that there was different approaches that could be used to set and calibrate the interest rate in a given market. And the linear model and the jump rate models were probably the simplest implementations to arrive at an equilibrium in a market. But having a more sophisticated approach has always been um, sort of a direction that I've wanted to see, and I think a lot of people are super excited about. So I love this direction of R&D and you know, research and exploration. So kudos to you. Um, my only question is, you know, when it comes to the actual implementation, what are the sort of parameters and what's the logic that you use to adjust the rate? Um, is it based on you know, storing um, utilization over time and adjusting them based on utilization? Is it um, required to be sort of updated by or refreshed or poked by outside users? You know, how do you foresee the actual implementation mechanics of you know, this type of model or controller? Um, yeah, so there are a couple questions, I think, um, built into that. So one is like the, um, from like a mathematical perspective, what are the parameters of the controller? Um, so PID control is actually a concept in like control theory. So like, um, you know, thermostats, um, like factory processes, uh, these are things that like generally use a PID controller. So PID stands for proportional integral derivative. Um, and so basically these are the three factors that control how um, the control signal, in this case, the interest rate responds to outside conditions. So proportional is um, how far is the is the target utilization rate from the actual utilization rate? Based on that, we apply a certain level of interest rate. Um, derivative is like how fast is the utilization rate moving? We probably provide an inverse signal to like slow how fast that is moving. And then finally is integral, which is basically like over time, um, as like there's a level of error between the target and actual utilization rate, um, we slowly increase the signal. 
um, over time. So basically that means that like if we are at 95% utilization, um, we will continue to increase the borrowing rate um, over time until that goes back to zero. And then once it, or once it goes back to 80%, and once it hits 80%, that integral like aspect stops increasing and then it maintains a steady state. Um, so, so that's basically like the first aspect. So these are three variables that would have to be tuned to basically like respond or, or in response to how people actually interact with markets. So that's actually something that would probably have to be like figured out and um, at least get a general idea before, uh, um, you know, actually launching this and then they can be fine tuned over time. So I'd say that's the answer to the first question. And then the second one as to like actual mechanics. Um, and I think like BLCK also mentioned this, so like gas costs. Um, I, uh, since there, since there are like uh, contract functions to get the, um, to get the utilization rate um, within Solidity, I don't think it'll be like dramatically like expensive in gas, but we do live in like a high gas cost environment. So um, basically, I think um, one possible way is to like cash the the interest rate for a period of time. So like maybe 1,000 blocks or so, um, and then basically have like every time someone interacts with the market and it's been more than 1,000 blocks since the last time this uh, interest rate model was updated, then it actually like goes through and recalculates and updates it again. Um, so that way, like the overall gas cost for like keeping this updated can be kept down. And also like these controllers are generally robust to um, being updated over like longer periods of time. Um, it just means that the factors for proportional integral are going to be different. Um, so I think there are a few different approaches you can use to keep the gas cost down, but this is something that does have to be evaluated periodically. So yeah, that's all I had to say. Awesome. Um, that that was great. Um, do you have any like uh, bes besides this notebook that you shared? Are there any notable developer tools that you used in the uh, development of the project? Um, I've been working a little bit on um, just writing this in Solidity with a Ganache Gan uh, CLI, um, but I think like the main main technological uh, deliverable for this has been the the Jupyter notebook. Okay. Very cool. Well, uh, thank you for um, sharing that with us. That, that was very cool. Um, I I, I want to uh, give Layton from Pool Together the opportunity to speak next since uh, last time he had to jump off early. So uh, Layton, you have the floor. Go ahead. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm happy to be with you guys today. Um, yeah, so I guess I, I really just had like an idea or yeah, more an idea to throw out. And I just wanted to bring up idea of credit delegation. Um, and I just think it's interesting because Robert's talked about it before, like it's not part of the core protocol. It's, it should be something like built on top of the protocol, which I think is true, but it also is something that's like probably the closest feature to what should be part of the pro core protocol or arguably maybe should be. So I, I guess I think it's a really important um, functionality and I haven't heard of anyone working on it and maybe there are people working on it already. But um, I think that could be a great thing. Uh, if there isn't anyone working on it, it could be a great thing to to try to like bounty or try to like pilot some sort of um, process around uh, getting getting developers, external developers, uh, to to work on it. So 
that's pretty much it. I just wanted to basically bring it up for, for a conversation. And I don't know if we want to talk about it right now. I, I can also just like write a post on, on Gov. But um, yeah, I just wanted to mention it. Yeah, Leighton, thanks for uh, sharing that idea. I mean, I, I agree that having some means of delegating your borrowing capacity or credit to another user or smart contract is extremely valuable. Um, you know, right now, the community sort of self-bounties in a way where if you build something epic for the protocol, um, there's, you know, ideally a means to sort of, you know, receive a developer incentive in the form of reserves um, or, you know, hopefully soon um, comp tokens from the protocol. So, you know, I definitely think that there's, you know, a lot of value and a lot of interest in seeing this built. And I think that, um, you know, there should be um, some developer incentive in some way to see this successful. It's a large project. Would love to see somebody take this on. Um, it would be a huge upgrade to the protocol. And I agree with you that uh, this could open up some new use cases. Awesome. Thank you, Leighton. Um, so let, let's go back to our original uh, queue here. Uh, Monet Supply, uh, are you ready to talk about potential MakerDAO compound collaborations? Uh, yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you great. Welcome. All right. Perfect. I'm going to drop some links in the dev channel. And um, not a developer myself, but um, I just wanted to talk about some kind of potential um, potential ways that MakerDAO could interface with Compound in, in sort of interesting ways. Um, so just kind of like a background on, on Maker's current state, um, the demand to hold DAI is a lot higher generally than the demand to, uh, to borrow DAI. So we've seen a lot of blowouts in the past six months where the price goes a lot higher than target. Um, in the short term, Maker's been addressing that in a way by um, onboarding a lot of stable coins. And Maker essentially has set the liquidation ratio to 101%, so just like a 1% margin, and then also turned off liquidations for those stable coins. So it's been effective at keeping the price below 101, um, but on a longer time scale, it's not a very good situation because um, the risk reward for sort of making those stablecoin back loans is not very good. You can only you know, capture that 1% spread between um, the, you know, one-on-one liquidation ratio and the, uh, you know, $1 target. Um, so in the long term, it's it's really not a scalable solution for Maker to keep the peg. It's, it's kind of like a short-term stopgap. Um, one thing that's been sort of considered as a potential option, and um, it's not necessarily like moving forward fast right now, but in consideration is onboarding uh, yield tokens, yield stable coins as collateral. Um, so for example, there's um, two collateral applications that have been made a couple months ago for CDI and CUSDC. Um, users would be able to uh, you know, basically deposit their stable coins to compound, take the C tokens, send them over to maker, mint DAI, and then theoretically, they could maybe even take that die back to Compound and send it back to Maker, take it on a couple round trips, and um, supply a whole lot of stable coins to the Compound protocol. 
Um, theoretically, that could help meet the you know big demand for a die that there is in the market. Um, and then for Maker as well, um, because those stable coins are earning positive interest, um, basically it's it's no longer a really negative risk reward that's kind of destabilizing the protocol. We would be able to, you know, at Maker they'd be able to charge maybe a couple percent interest on a continual basis. Um, so they're still, you know, being compensated and making sure that Maker is still going to be in a good place for solvency going forward. Um, and then just some like other interesting side benefits for Compound is that um, depending on where the interest rate would be set, um, you know, if those stable those uh, C tokens were onboarded, it would um, do a lot to address potential liquidity crises on Compound. Um, you know, essentially, if let's say Maker capped the interest rate to borrow against CDI at five percent, um, anytime the DAI util utilization was above maybe like eighty-three, eighty-four percent on Compound, there'd be a huge arbitrage incentive to just mint a bunch more DAI and, and supply the market. Um, so I think in in that sense, it could be really interesting, and um, it could have like a lot of positive externalities all around. Um, and those are kind of in consideration. There was a uh, that C token collateral research uh, link I dropped. Um, the the risk team has done a little bit of research on it. Um, as far as Black's question about um, C tokens on Maker and and Comp, um, I think I've heard some talk about Maker trying to address that and. Um, basically having like functions where you can recover um, farmed tokens from vaults. Um, I don't think it's live yet, but it's it's something that is, you know, I think that people over there are pretty aware of, of that being really important. So if these were to be onboarded, I'm sure that would be factored in. Um, whose comp would it go to? Really good question. Um, I think... It depends on gas costs. I know some of, like, I'm thinking of the, um, like, Curve uh, Synthetics USD vault and how bad the gas was when I used to do that. Um, we, I think the most simple option would be just having it go to the vaults, and every time you have a vault interaction, it claims and then just distributes. But, um, again, that would be open to discussion. Um, and I guess one last thing I would kind of leave off on is that um, so far people have only done applications for sort of like the uh, C token stable coins. Um, but I think there's also maybe an opportunity for other sort of more like volatile tokens, uh, C tokens like CETH, CWBTC, um, because Maker doesn't offer lending of, of people's collateral. So some users might appreciate that as like a safety feature, but others probably just think it's capital inefficient and they would rather um, supply their assets to compounds um, while they're borrowing wherever they want to borrow. So I think there's you know a whole lot of sort of like green space ahead of us um, as far as just compound and, and maker uh, potentially working together. Awesome. Um, 
yeah, that, that, was, that was great. Thank you for sharing. Does anyone else have any questions? Okay, uh, we'll move right along to uh, Bhagwan. If you're ready to speak about uh, collateral warning alerts for compound borrowers. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, Hi. I'm ready. Uh, hi. Uh, well, I I built this tool that uh, send you like gas alerts when uh, when um, it reaches a certain threshold. So let's say you want to make a transaction, and the gas is too um, the gas fee is like too high, but you you can wait for it. Uh, then you can set like an alert and stuff. The name of the product is uh, Gas Touch. I'm sharing the link now. And well, right now it's just for like uh, gas alerts, but I think uh, this idea of uh, of receiving, uh, it does it by the way of uh, push notifications, uh, can be applied to a lot of things in the Ethereum ecosystem, one of them being uh, Compound. Because for me personally, um, one of the most important things to keep track of in this DeFi world is the my collateral ratios. And the uh, compound is where I have uh, my uh, my biggest amount of loans, right? And uh, well, it's a feature that uh, I would like to include eventually here, but also it could be useful to maybe include it in the compound uh, front end in like the official one. Um, and yeah, it's basically a simple service to send push notifications rather than emails cluttering your uh, your uh, uh, your mailbox and things like that. Cool. Um, do you have like a, a code repository that you could share, or is it closed source? Well, it's I, I really built it in the last couple of days, so it's not really uh, it's not really finalized. I I will be open to open source it if it's uh, if there's interest. I will need to clean up the code first, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, once you're ready to open source it, you can um, share it in the development channel, and we'll check it out. Yeah, uh, if actually, like uh, I'll probably do it. Like I'm a big believer in that movement. <laughs> Very cool. Great, thank you for sharing that. Does anyone have any questions for Bhagwan? All right, cool. Uh, let's move right along to uh, Timur, who's going to share uh, a compound governance dashboard that they created. Uh, you ready to speak, Timur? Sure. Uh, so hey, everyone. Uh, to provide some context on the cat flip, it started as a project to track uh, MakerDAO governance activity, because back then it was the only protocol with uh, governance. Uh, but then a few months later, other protocols started to add some token governance, and the compound seemed like the one that has most of the like, interest in terms of like active proposals and different stats that you can track. So I decided to go there and add that to the cat flip. Um, so to provide some um so the good way the good thing about compound governance is that it has all the data on chain so it has all the historical pro proposals and like the tally words is also available so uh the way it works 
it's just like uh uh like reads all the all the data from the governor to like provide you with all the historical data and then it just like uses some computing to uh see what proposals are like passed to make sure like when it has like this uh changes shown in the each proposal it only includes the one the changes that were like passed in the governance um and then for the for the like uh like overview page it just reads from a bunch of contracts like c tokens and governor and stuff like that um so speaking about like how it can be improved uh obviously i'm very open to like any feedback that you have uh i am personally thinking about adding some info about delegators for example for each delegator you can see like who delegated to him and like what what what's like he made uh with that delegated comp another idea would be to show uh the interest models like right now it's just a link to address of that model it would be nice to like show it visually and maybe even see like how it evolved over time for each token uh so as i've said i'm like open for your feedback and questions uh so if you have anything let me know uh cool i i have one suggestion i think it would be cool if uh users were able to do like voting uh within within your uh catflip website here like uh, someone can delegate uh or vote or or do either of those operations by signature as well um that i, I think that those would be be good to be a, another place to be able to interact with uh compound governance that that's not just uh, on the compound website i think that would be cool yeah i agree also robert mentions that it's hard to get uh like the list of delegators that's actually true it's i think it's really hard to do that on chain uh thankfully there's a subgraph from the protofire guys uh, i guess it's called compound governance something like that and i believe it has uh some information on that so hopefully i can use that to like show uh that data cool does anyone have any other questions or feedback for timur great work timur all right um next up we have uh tennis bowling with the latest governance proposal Okay, I will uh, read what Tennis is writing in the development channel. Um, uh, Tennis is working on a project called Aggregate. The idea is like Maker, mint aggregate with other assets as collateral, but you can only use stable coins. Um, the change with it and Maker is that once you mint it, you do not need to repay your aggregate uh, or in die in Maker's case. So you can aggregate to send to anyone and anyone can redeem aggregate for the collateral or just keep it. Uh, my friend suggested to use compound for the collateral while it's sitting there, but there are some problems. Where should the interest go? To the devs as a reward or something? To the person redeeming the collateral? Uh, how would we be able to see how much interest has been gained in this way? If it goes to the devs, do you think that the users are up for paying a bit more gas to help us? Do you think it will have a significant gas impact? Uh, thanks. Once we get it, it 
it done or close to, I'll post here and anyone can help with improvements or implementing Compound into it. It would be nice to add Compound, but it might not actually be useful or that the users don't like it. Oh, this is for next week. <laughs> Proposal next week. Okay. Um, thank you for sharing your cool project you're working on called Aggregate. Uh, if you would like to talk about the proposal, that that's that's okay, or we could save it for uh, two weeks from now. Okay, uh, yeah, we'll move on to the next speaker. Uh, looks like next we have Taryn from Gauntlet who's going to talk about a vesting proposal. Taryn, you ready? Uh, <clears throat> yes, sorry, just a second. I'm just gonna share sure. my screen. Um, once I figure out which. Second. Sorry about that. Um, All good. I am a Discord noob, as so. Can Can you guys see that? Yeah, I can see it. Cool. Great. Uh, yeah. So I just want to give a kind of update on where we are with uh, adding vesting. Um, so we actually added a few other features. Uh, so one uh, feature I think that is particularly interesting. <laughs> for uh, the call is we added a, a grant comp function. So uh, governance can basically uh, vote on sort of development fees. So for instance, um, for say, let's say there's something that uh, needs financial support for development, uh, governance can basically vote on granting a certain address comp. Uh, and then we made a bunch of other uh, sort of changes to reduce the size of the comptroller. So the idea for this uh, proposal and, and this pull request is to basically do two things at once and have it audited um, kind of as a whole piece, which is basically reduce a bunch of, uh, reduce comptroller size. So it's basically after borrow caps is pretty much impossible to add uh, any new features. Because there was um, you know, Taryn, sorry to interrupt, but uh, we can't see your screen. It's not uh, it's not loading. Like it, we we see a spinner. All right, let me. Um, give me one second. Sure. Discord is not necessarily easy from a technical perspective, so thank you for uh, waiting through this. Yeah, sorry about that. I did. I. Uh, where is? I think I just have to give it permissions. Right on Mac, you have to enable 
the app to use your uh, screen sharing and system preferences could be uh, kind of frustrating. Um, you know what? I'm just going to send a link to the slides because there's only two slides anyway uh, instead of sharing. Is that all right? Yeah, that works. Um, and I think that probably will just be easier. Uh, cool. So, uh, great. Um, yeah, so, yeah, if you go to the slides I put there, on the second slide, basically, we have listed a bunch of features that have happened since the last, that we've edited since the last call. Um, the majority of them were uh, focused on basically reducing comptroller size. So you can kind of see the last three um, pieces. And this was after kind of talking uh, compound team about what things could be removed or changed. Um, and then we also added, yeah, the grant compute feature that I, I mentioned. Um, and so the idea is this pull request will basically add the functionality for vesting and then also add kind of add these comptroller changes. And then after that, governance can vote on basically the vesting uh, percentage. Uh, so like what time duration should be used and then things like that. Um, but uh, I think the, the main thing is, you know, now the comptroller does have a little more breathing room, uh, I think a few hundred bytes uh, more than actually we had last time. Um, but I think the long-term goal is actually to work on kind of refining the system so that uh, there's sort of like modules. And if you look in the, the pull requests, um, you'll see some comments from people about how different ways that basically we could make the contract a little more upgrade friendly for things like this. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to say is sort of timeline, sort of what we we're thinking. Um, so the code, you can go look, uh, pull request number 71. Um, there, these changes are, are pushed up there. Um, and then basically, you know, right now we're getting it audited and hopefully should have that by early next week. Um, and then uh, we'll push proposal. Um, but the idea is, is, you know, this will add vesting capability and then also add granting capability, but we'll separate this proposal from voting on the vesting time period so that it's easier for governance to, to separate the two. Um, Uh, so yeah, any questions? <laughs> Sorry, I should have. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. It's just uh... so Tarun. This is a awesome set of refinements to the comptroller contract. Um, you know, I think following up on arrows, burn caps is probably the um, second, and it's also the largest community um, overhaul of a section of the comptroller. So. Really impressive to see this. How can folks help, um, you know, whether it's peer review, whether it's commenting, whether it's, you know, verifying some of the math, you know, what can what can folks do to help out? Um, are there any open questions left? And, you know, this is a really big protocol change and hopefully it's inspiring to pretty much everyone on this call. Um, and, you know, just want to know sort of, you know, what you see as um, ways for others to get involved. Yeah, definitely. I think I think peer review uh, of the pull request. You know, thanks to to Jared and Max for a lot of comments. Also, uh, but peer review would be awesome um, and just feedback. And then also, 
uh, thoughts on, you know, I think there's a, there's a forum post um, where people are talking, have talked about, you know, the pros and cons of vesting, how to choose time periods, things like that. Um, and I think, yeah, any, any comments or thoughts on, on when and where to add it, that would be great. Um, I think the, the other thing is, yeah, you know, right now grant comp is sort of a one, one-off payment. So it just, you know, governance is just votes on address and amount. Um, but I think we're, uh, one of the next things we're going to add is, um, sort of like streaming Sabler style, uh, uh, grant so that, you know, recurring grants work. Um, and so, yeah, feedback on, on people's thoughts on how that should, how they would think about doing that would be great. Great. Thank you for sharing, Taryn. Um, <clears throat> does anyone else want to share a project they're working on or any proposals or something like that? This is our, our time for open floor. Anyone can speak. Uh, oh, it looks like, um, yeah, I believe two weeks ago we missed Getty. Uh, would you like to uh, take, take the floor? Uh, sure, I can talk a bit more about the uh, my idea for collateral, the new collateral system. I had uh, wrote a little medium article about. Um, Great, go ahead. So, presently in the in the current system, I think everyone here is familiar with is based on a, a fixed number that the community decides on or votes upon or was in place at one point, um, and and that number is going to define like this, this ratio uh, or whatever that asset is. And it's only unique to that asset. Um, so for like wrapped Bitcoin, it's like 60% right now. And the, anyone who deposits wrapped Bitcoin can borrow any other asset on the protocol, regardless of how volatile that other asset is. And they can get up to 6% worth of their wrapped Bitcoins uh, in that asset. Um, and in my mind, that's not really a fair trade for the protocol. Uh, sometimes it can be in the protocol's favor and sometimes it can be against it. So, for example, if someone were to borrow USDC um, against the wrapped Bitcoins, that's probably a net win for the protocol. Um, whereas if someone borrows, let's say, like Uni or one of the other altcoins on the, on the protocol, uh, that's going to have a lot more volatility associated with it and a lot more risk associated with it. And that's probably a net loss for the protocol. And right now, there's no functionality taken into account um this 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 extra risk that the protocol is picking up in between these two assets um and that's that's kind of like one one way to think about it. another one is i think even more glaring is uh take tether right now so tether has a collateral factor of zero which is kind of the protocol saying like hey we don't want to have risk to this asset we don't think it could be collateral and there's you know all sorts of other risk that people could just print an infinite amount and like drain the protocol obviously we don't want any of that um that being said people can still borrow tether and they can build a really big position of borrowed tether on the market and so we still have the concern of liquidating tether and because the protocol currently has a zero percent uh, collateralization rate on it right now it's the idea that people are saying we don't really trust this thing which probably also means uh, the same idea that there's probably not necessarily a lot of liquidity for it. That's what people are saying. I, I personally wouldn't because I think Tether is actually a pretty decent asset. But 
that means that we can have a lot of tether risk and a lot of tether liquidity risk even while the collateral factor is zero. So what I kind of proposed was changing to like, I think I dubbed it safety scores, um, but I don't really care about the name, um, where instead of having a collateralization ratio to find them per asset, you sign a, a, a score um, and it can kind of be on any system. All that really matters is it's like relative difference of the score compared to other assets. And it would look at the total assets supplied uh, as, the, as whatever the lender is lending to the protocol and the total assets borrowed. And it would try to figure out based off of the protocol assign as safety scores of these different assets, what kind of risk the protocol is taking on. Uh, it would be up to the community, the same way with collateral factors, to assign those numbers. But it would this way should be more efficient at assigning risk and giving the protocol um, a more efficient market uh, for the for these outlier assets or even just like a really basic market like ETH dollar. Um, when you're adding this functionality as well, where you can control the actual risk on other other on either side of what the individuals are borrowing and supplying to the market it would also allow for the protocol to list much more risky assets now there's something that we want to do that but you could do that all of a sudden because now you can control both sides of the picture you can control hey this person's lending a really risky asset and so we want to give it a super low safety score um and that means they really won't be able to borrow much against us at all but if they borrow USDC against us, then like, okay, we'll give them a little more borrowing power versus if they borrow, if they supply a really, you know, whatever asset and borrow instead like another really crazy asset, then they're really going to have to have a super high um, collateralization ratio versus something else. So that's the kind of gist of it. Um, I think there's some links posted and it's on the forum as well if you want to learn more about it um, or you can reach me uh, on Discord or whatever. I'd love to talk about it more. Um, and if anyone has thoughts as to maybe why it's a bad idea, I'm also open to that as well. Thank you. Um, is is this something that you've been developing like a pull request for, or is this just an idea at the moment? Just an idea. You know, I think it would be a pretty big like protocol change. So I didn't really think it would be a good idea to put any effort into it unless people thought it was actually an interesting idea. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think you, you did the right thing by sharing uh, in the community call, but um, also a, a good next step would be to uh, maybe make a forum post about it uh, so people can. Yeah, there is a forum post. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, at this point, I guess it's an open floor. If anybody else has anything they want to share, any questions, any ideas, um, would love to hear. You know, anyone in the community that um, would like to present something new. Um, I have some really. Oh, I'm being echoing a little bit. Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, sorry. I have a. I wanted to share one idea that I came up with yesterday, which is basically an ability to transfer your uh, supply and borrowing positions to another address with their permission. Um, so basically, like say you have like a highly leveraged ETH uh, supply and USDC borrow position, and 
you want to like unwind that in one transaction, you can basically like transfer that to another address. Um, and then you can do some like kind of swap thing where they like pay you the actual like equity, equity value of your position. Um, so just some protocol improvement that allows you to do something like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, it could really be done in one of two ways at first glance. One is sort of at the protocol level, being able to, um, you can already approve C tokens for transfer, but having a way to sort of approve, um, you know, a new address to take over your positions um, and sort of transfer all balances um, simultaneously, that could be done theoretically, um, where it would, you know, evaluate liquidity before and after a transfer. Um, the second could be, you know, a layer on top of the protocol, you know, if you managed um, balances directly through a user wallet or a smart contract, whether it's Instadapp or DeFi Saver or a similar system, could implement uh, that relatively easily um, in one place as well. Um, so cool idea. I'd love to think through, you know, if it could be added to the protocol and what benefits that could unlock. Yeah, definitely something that's... Um requested sometimes in discord how how can i transfer my position to a different address but it's yeah it's, it's currently not doable but yeah definitely a pull request for that could be made uh, does anyone else have anything they want to share or uh we we can uh take this time to uh wrap up great well um yeah, if anyone wants to listen to the audio of this call again, we'll be posting it on uh, comp.xyz soon. And also Nick will be posting the, the notes um, So for a quick breakdown. Uh, thank you everyone for, for coming and sharing uh, your thoughts and your projects. Uh, great work. Um, and we'll reconvene again in two weeks at the same time uh, for the third community call. So yeah, great. Thank you for everyone for showing up and uh, we'll see you next time.